Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind, it is Friday, uh, another eventful week at Celtic Football Club, lots to discuss, both negative and negative I think is the, the way that I want to put it, or we'll try not to be too much that way, but you know, got to go by results on the pitch, I'm joined as always by Tony Haggerty, how you doing Tony? I'm very well, Laura, yourself? 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've got off on the best foot there, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, and uh, Jim is not with us today, unfortunately, um, and he, he's asked me to mention he is not uh, hes not flaky, he's not unreliable, he's been having some dental issues the last couple of weeks, so he's getting them fixed at the dentist today, and hopefully we'll be back with us next week. Meanwhile, we are joined from Celts Down Under by Jared. How are you doing, Jared? I'm good, Laura. How are you? Not too bad. A little bit better than you, I would imagine. You were telling us before we came on here you've been up since 5.30 this morning or something to watch the match. Uh, quarter, quarter to five for a 5 a.m. kickoff. <laughs> and it's and it's 9.30 there now, so long day. We'll try not to keep you. Now, the joys of being a Celtic fan this side of the world. That's what we all go through. Get up at stupid o'clock, watch the games, and this is actually the better ones when you play the European night games because it's easier. Oh. Oh well, don't don't shout it too loudly because Tony and I live in and around Glasgow and don't have a season ticket, and we get hard enough time. So I don't know, uh, I don't know what people make of being all, all the way over the other side of the world. But you're you're putting the putting the hours in, that's for sure. Yeah, it is what it is. That's what it's been my whole life. So you know, no big no big deal for me. Nothing out of the ordinary. No, I, I appreciate the commitment, but we'll move we'll move on to. To the topic at hand, and that is obviously uh, the week that was at Celtic. So we had um, obviously a defeat to Dundee United last weekend. We had another defeat to um, Leverkusen last night. Tony, we are now. I think a draw, a draw against Dundee United. Draw against Dundee United. Oh my goodness, you've saved me there. You've saved me. Um, I know, I know. I'm looking. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. But um, no, we are now. I think it's four matches without a, a win, Tony. Um, yeah. And I have to say, even as a massive backer of Ange, as somebody who um, has really wanted to see him do well, as I think everybody does, but who has really bought into the philosophy. I myself am finding it hard to defend it as as time goes on and as as you know, the results aren't coming our way. What have you made of this week so far before we go into detail about the, the matches themselves? Well, you mentioned the start you know, of not one and four. We've won two out of the last eight. You know, you can manipulate stats to suit. You know, but uh, yeah, last night was particularly disappointing, the result. I don't think many Celtic supporters had much optimism going into the game about getting a result because they, they proved that they were a really good side. But, you know, they just, at this moment in time, whatever philosophy and whatever strategy Ange has and he's trying to implement, it's not working. I'm sorry, it's not working. And I felt that the Germans did what Celtic should have did in Spain. When it went to 2-0, they managed the game. They had their eye in Bayern Munich after they went 2-0 up. And they played in second gear and it could have been anything they wanted if they wanted it to be. And if Celtic had scored at any time in the game, I felt they could have just gone through the gears. And uh, that, that's my thoughts. It's its now staring you in the face and the comments that he made last night that he won't change his approach. For me, I think that's deeply concerning because he has to start to do something. You know, it's not working with Roderick and Tumble in there. It's not work, working with the playing it out at the back. The first goal was conceded because David Tumble had it in his mind to take a touch, pivot, and, and start to build up from the back instead of just clearing it into the stands. 
in dealing with the clear and present danger that was there at the time. Did neither. Kick ball across the box, it's in your net. And the whole atmosphere changed on that. We spoke we spoke before the show. The the minute that Joe Hart had the ball and it seemed an eternity, and his instinct was to shell it long, and he didn't because that's not what he's been taught. And he stood forever until he, he shelled one out wide. I think it was Adam Montgomery or Jota and Celtic immediately lost possession. But Joe Hart just wanted to go long. And we got a clear-cut chance through Cameron Carter-Vickers hitting one through the middle, playing a percentage ball to Kyogo, who ran through and had that chance. So you have to adapt. We've been saying it since day one. And, you know, I, I got a text this morning which I think is quite kind of pertinent. And one of my friends, or journalistic friends, said to me, you know, he's sick of Ange in his way. Only egomaniacs or extremely limited managers don't embrace pragmatism. I find it hard to argue with that, Laura, I really do. You know, it's not pleasant seeing Celtic lose 4 nothing in any in any match or a European tie. And apathy set in amongst the supporters last night. A lot of them were leaving 65, 70 minutes. You know, because and my father, I spoke to my father, and he said for one of the few times watching Celtic, he got bored and he left 10 minutes from the end. Father's never done that in his life. That tells me a lot about the current, present situation and the feeling among supporters. And you can be accused of being negative. You're reacting to what you're seeing on the park. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. And thanks to everybody for watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you're watching us. Um, Caravan on uh, Twitch has said it just seems that Angie's philosophy, uh, that it is Angie's philosophy and he won't change it because he doesn't want to steer off his course. He really believes in that way of playing football, even though it's not working just now. And I, I do think that sums it up. He, he has such a strong belief. But as I was having a discussion with a friend last night, there's a difference between having a belief in a system because you think it will work eventually and having a belief in a system because you're too stubborn to change it. And I don't know which side of the fence he falls into. Um, Jared, it's great to have you on the show, obviously, but not not least because you can give us a bit of context on, on Postacoglu. I remember you and others uh, saying back when he joined us um, to expect a bumpy ride in the first season, to expect, you know, I, I think the phrase a few bloody noses has been used a, a number of times by contributors. Is are things going the way that you would have expected them to go getting Ange in first season or are, are they slightly worse than you would have expected them to be? It's tough on the answer because I've been watching Ange's teams playing since about 98. I think it was the first time I went and watched him when he was managing South Melbourne and his first season, it was let go of a bunch of senior guys, get them in, they build it up and off they go. And then, he built the program over two transfer windows. Second year in that chair, he won the title. Same thing happened when he took over at Brisbane. When he was at Melbourne Victory, which is my local team over here, he came in, let a lot of guys go, rebuilt the team. The following season after he left to go to Australia, his national team, they won the comp playing his style of football. So I understand what everyone's saying, and I understand growing up a Celtic fan, I understand the, the Glasgow goldfish bowl. I understand it's like whatever you think is normal. And I know a lot of Australian Celtic fans I talk to, like they understand it. But then talking to 
my family members, my friends who don't understand what that's like, they're like, what are these fans on about? Trying to call for him to be sacked after seven games or whatever. So, yeah, I expected it to be a bit rough because of the rebuild that was required. Um, Didn't expect it to get as bad as it is because, I'm going to put it down more than anything, him coming in late because we sat around waiting on Eddie Howe for so long. And then on top of that, we're only having three months there to sort it out. For now, having all those injuries hasn't helped either. And I said on our podcast during the week that I think the key thing for us is we need to get a stable back line. That's my biggest opinion in the team at the moment. The constant copying, chopping and changing isn't good for me. Like I look at it and go, the thing like with Ange, once he gets that settled back line, then he'll build the front front half of the field. But like, it's decent to see, uh, what's his name, Starfelt and Carter Vickers are starting to build a bit of a partnership, which is good. They made a few mistakes last night, led to a couple of goals, but that's improving. It's better than what we had a month ago. But, yeah, it's not what I was expecting. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one to, to fully um, understand. Um Tony Jarrod raises a good point there, and I think we'll use that as our jumping off point to look at the at the game a little bit more closely, specifically last night. Um, the, the back line is one that is starting to become settled, but when you consider the players that weren't playing last night, Juranovic, Scales, Julian still to come back, my fear is there's still quite a bit of chopping and changing to, to go, and, and Taylor coming back from injury as well. Um, how how likely do you think it is that this this back four that we saw last night is going to be the settled option going forward for, as Jared says, building a foundation on, or or do you think we're still likely to see this kind of mixing and matching going forward for a few weeks yet? I think we'll see mixing and matching for a few weeks yet. A lot of this back four get beat for nothing last night. Mm-hmm. I was part of a back four that lost for nothing last night. So well, she might see certain things. Jalen, as Jared says, that still lost, still made, you know, mistakes, you know, at critical times, you know. So you, so they were nowhere near got a settled back four, and also as well, there's there's no, there just doesn't seem to be any kind of power of recovery when Celtic go a goal down. They don't have it in them to to drag themselves uh, back from any kind of setback, you know. And I look at the back four and. You know, I look at back fours that we've had in the past. You know, these guys were leaders. You know, they led by example. What did Martin O'Neill do when he came in? And he, he, he just filled the, the back four with giants. Well, Carter Vickers and Starfield are quite tall, they're not. I just don't mm-hmm. see that. Maybe Carter Vickers is more of a unit than, than Starfield, you know, but they should be more imposing figures. You know, I, I get last night we were up against a real quality side that. I totally get that. But, you know, you, even the manager admitted himself after it that we have to handle situations better. We have to do things better. You're trotting out the same excuses that we'll, oh, we wait to get these players back and stuff. I keep I keep maintaining. You're playing the here and now. So you have to make do. And I think even Angie's getting kind of sick of that kind of thing, you know, and sort of saying, look, guys, you just have to manage game situations better. And, I, and, you know, it's just last night just seemed 
bereft of belief. You know, and, and it's a, and a, a sad indictment that two of our better players were Kyogo and Callum McGregor. Two guys coming back from injury layoffs. You know, and they led by example, but they can't keep doing it themselves. You know, they need a hand. You know, so the, the back of the pack wasn't assured. And I'm allowing for the fact we were up against a really, really good team. You know, but so is that that? You're just going to roll over and die every time we play a really good team? You know, or, or, or roll over every time we concede goals, we, we don't have the gumption to get back into games? You know, it, whatever is happening at the minute, it's not good enough. And the style and the system of play is not good enough. Dot, 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 yet. Will it get better when all these players? Because there's no guarantee it's going to get better when we get players back. You know, some people keep saying to me, oh, it's, going to, going to, it's going to get better. Is it? You know, you, you, you're commenting, you're watching, you, you're seeing a team be bereft of character, identity, leaders, dig. All the kind of basics of, you know, rudiments of a football team, we're lacking in them all. And that's why we've won twice in our last eight games. Can't stress that enough. And you're talking, it's the start of October, and you're already talking about must-win games, Laura. Mm-hmm. Well, something rotten in the state of Denmark, is there not? Something has to change. Something does have to change. Um, F and JC on Twitch says the only thing I didn't like from the centre backs last night was the sideways passing, which led Leverkusen took advantage of and pushed them deeper and deeper. The expected outballs of Ralston and Monte weren't there because they were crowded out in midfield um, more often than not. Jared, I don't know if you happen to see it on Twitter, but um, our uh, fellow contributor Russell Boyce took a picture on the screen of. Uh, Montgomery and Ralston in that inverted fullback position about 30 seconds before we conceded the, I think it was the first goal. And um, yeah, and uh, you know, it was pretty shocking to see it in black and white, if you like, or or technicolour, if you like, of just how extreme the positioning was. And they are obviously following the manager's orders. Taking apart uh, F and JC's point that, you know, I I think the centre-backs did have a half decent sort of a game and, and your your assessment earlier that they are building up a partnership. Is it Ralston and Montgomery that were the main issue last night? Are they too inexperienced to be playing what, what Ange is asking them to play last night? Or was it naive to play that system against a team like Leverkusen anyway? Uh two prongs on that. Firstly Center backs are building a, a building a partnership. I never said it was a good partnership, but they're starting to get a run of <laughs> which I just want to clarify that. <laughs> Second thing, yeah, like what you said, Laura, with the um with Montgomery and Ralston, that picture, as soon as I saw that from Russell, I'm like, oh God, what are they doing? It's supposed to be the way he his teams play with the inverted, it's once one goes in to plug that hole. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And the other one stays back, so it's a three-man back line. If we're yeah. playing four at the back, in that situation, we're going from like a 4-3-3 to a 
two, what is that, two five two or two five three or something like that with only two defenders. Like that's that's suicidal against yeah. a team like Leverkusen. That's ridiculous. Like you shouldn't be doing that. So that's either you know the two boys doing that aren't communicating properly. I'm going to go in. You hold back, or it's just not following instructions. They're both just doing their own thing. You can, like, yes, Ange can crack the whip at training, but we're playing that many games. How much time do we have on the training pitch to address that? It should. That's not an excuse. Not an excuse for him there, but what I'm saying is, that's not good enough. Yeah, it, it really isn't good enough. And I think, um, Tony, Jared raises a good point there. You know, the three of us sitting here understand the basics of a of an inverted fullback system, that idea that if one goes forward, the other one stays back and creates a, a back three. And against a front three like Leverkusen had, that would have worked. My, my, my actual criticism last night was that we weren't playing a shape at the back three because I think a back three always works better against a front three. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a question, kind of Jared touched on it. Is it their inexperience that's caused them to both be in that position when it should only have been one of them? Or are they just not understanding the instructions that they've been given, do you think? I think it's a bit of everything. Also on the manager, let's be honest. It, uh, you know, you can talk about systems and all that, but if you don't have the personnel to fulfil that system, which you clearly don't, then why are you doing it? You, know, you, have, you have to adapt, Lord. you, you we're playing a system where guys either don't understand it, are not comfortable playing it, don't like playing it, and then as Jared said, are maybe just doing their own thing. You can't have that. Mm. You know, you, you just cannot have that. But ultimately, the manager picks the team and picks the system. So it falls on him. You know, and teams at Leverkusen will pick you off all day. Right? And I'm not... This isn't bashing Ange, but you have to, you know, you have to... Uh, you know, these these are football phrases for a reason, horses for courses. You have to pick a team that's going to go toe-to-toe with a team like Bayer Leverkusen. You're at home and you get scudded for now because you made basic elementary errors in a system where guys clearly aren't comfortable playing it. it, it it's fact, you're sitting watching it. You said yourself at the top of the programme that as much as you're invested in Ange, and you are invested in Ange. We all want to see him succeed. But we're watching a team playing a style of football that they're not comfortable with and they can't carry it out because we don't have the personnel to carry it out. And that's, that leads on to another argument about Ange being backed by the board, etc. And we get all that. But we now have to find a system that the players are comfortable with and that they can do till it's second nature. But according to the manager, he's just going to persevere. What, you're going to persevere not winning football matches. Mm. That, that's the situation we find ourselves in, Laura. Listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and, and I agree with everything you're saying. And I, again, as I say, even as a massive proponent of Ange and what he's trying to do, I'm finding it hard to defend him. Um, the underwater cabbage salesman, which I just love mm. that name on YouTube, has said, uh, shape. Shape, formation, blah, blah, nothing to do with that. 100% Ange tactics uh, of inverted fullbacks again cost us directly mm-hmm. responsible for conceding a goal. And and the thing is, I'm seeing a lot of comments 
and from people coming up. And yes, we'd love to see what you've got to say about things, but it is frustrating because we're trying to pick apart a game. We're trying to analyse a game. We're trying to figure out where the team went wrong. How you can be very positive about a 4-0 defeat is <laughs> kind of beyond me. And so I'm trying uh, as much to be balanced as I can. But at the end of the day, if the if the result isn't great and there's, there's reasons the result wasn't great, um, then I think we have to highlight that. I'm going to positive to Jared this week. All right, Jared. Yeah, yeah. Positivity's on you, mate. On you go. Well, I, I was yeah. going to, I was going to, on that note, I was going to come to Jared. I think one of the positives we have from last night is that we created chances. We just happened to come up against a goalkeeper who was playing out his skin. Jared, we are creating chances, aren't we? That front line of Jota, uh, Furuhashi, and Abada looks like it could be proved fruitful if it's given a chance. Very, very fast, very direct, wasteful last night in front of goals. That's the way I summed the three of them up. They had enough opportunities there to score and all three of them missed by, you know, ball width at certain points here and there. Like there was one of Barter, should have just put in, missed it. There was one Kyogo had off a whether keeper saved it or whatever, should have put it in. Like realistically, it was 4-0. Their goalkeeper, amazing form. But at the other end of the field, Joe Hart did just as well. So I think the two keepers balanced each other out because if this was us playing Barcelona or PSG a few years ago, that could have been a six or a seven quite comfortably. Joe Hart did his job just as well as their goalkeeper did. So I don't really want to put too much on their goalkeeper. Yes, he played well. I think it was more we were wasteful with the opportunities we got. And then you look at their last goal, they got half an opportunity. These guys had put a belter straight into the net. That's the difference between the two teams last night. That's how you take a chance, Jared. Exactly. No mucking around. That's how you convert a chance. No messing. The last goal was a terrific strike. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, that's just class. Like, at the end of the day, like, even though it was against us, if I was at the stadium, I probably still would have clapped that goal because that was just technical ability. I had the clap with Jared. I thought it was a brilliant strike. I just thought, well, you know, and just that, you know, a ha- even a half chance, you know what I mean? Just ball at his feet, screamer. You know, you just got to turn around and say, right, you know, take your hat off to the fact that you're playing a good team. But how many times are you going to have to take your hat off to the fact you're playing a good team? That's yeah. that's what annoys you. You know, you you have similar opportunities in matches and you're not clinical. And I, I remember saying when Kyogo came in and he got a hat trick against Dundee and I said he could have had six. And people slaughtered me for it, Jared. But I said it was about taking your time and being clinical and showing composure. And I thought, and I'm allowing for him coming back into the side, uh, being ring rusty. But, you know, I thought, you say, wasteful in front of goal last night. And that, yeah. that clinical element and composure element in the Celtic front line was lacking big time. Yeah, so it's, we're, we're lacking in a few places. Mark Talier on uh, YouTube, and I see your comments on Twitter and on YouTube all the time. We really um, enjoy conversing with you. But you've just said, was the only reason we lost last night due to the Bayer Leverkusen goalkeeper having a great game? Have I just heard that? Um, I think if you've been listening to what we've been saying, then you'll realise that's not what you've just heard. We had 
multiple uh, problems at the back, which is why we lost. We had multiple problems in mid midfield, which is why we lost. We were wasteful in front of goal, along with a good goalkeeper performance. So no, there was not only one reason that we lost the game. And I don't think any of the three people sitting here on the screen said that. But we'll move on. Um, Jared, I'll come to you first. We've got um, what is always a tricky tie against um, Aberdeen at Pataudry this weekend. They aren't having a great time of it themselves, but that's no guarantee that we'll go up there and get a result. Um, is there any changes to last night's team? Anything that you expect to happen uh, for, for the weekend's game that you think might improve our chances against Aberdeen? It's probably two two things I'd do. I'd be taking Monty out and probably giving Scales a run because mm -hmm. I want to see him in that position and what better way to test him than you know, throw him straight into the kitchen and see how he handles the fire. So um, get him in there and see how he goes. Um, other than that, can't have Rogic and Turnbull together in the midfield. It's just not working. They're two similar type of players. Um, and when you've got guys like Bruni in the midfield, Lewis Ferguson, for them, they've got some some uh, hard guys in the middle, so we kind of need to match that a bit. So better get McCarthy in, at least him. And I'd also love to see Shaw come off the bench a bit later on. I want to see what he's like because I think our midfield's a bit too small. Yeah, I, I made the, the that exact point on the post-match coverage last night, actually. And I, I was frustrated with myself, Tony, because as you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to say we need more bite, we need more muscle, we need more this and that because I, I find that a little bit of a slightly old-fashioned way to look at things, but I have I can't disagree with what Jared said there. I can't disagree with what you've said before. Rogic and Turnbull in particular are lightweight in that midfield and are going to come a cropper if it's the two of them against a Lewis Ferguson and a, and a Scott Brown in the Aberdeen midfield. You just look at it and you think, we've no steel there, have we? Might have some craft, but it might be a game for steel. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I, Turnbull, we've defended Turnbull as a baller. Uh, but at this moment in time, Turnbull is suffering from a, cr a chronic lack of form. And I think Turnbull and Rogic are good in Celtic teams that are not roaring, free scoring, never boring, right? But when you're asking them to you know, dig deep, you know, and show leadership qualities, then that's when they're lacking. You know, and sadly, we're going up against two midfielders on Sunday and Scott Brown and Lewis Ferguson who are going to give you a chasing. You know, and we'll chase everything down and we'll graft and with no shortage of steel and no shortage of craft and guile if it comes to it. They will mix everything. You know, they will raise you every hand that you play. You're in a game on Sunday midfield-wise and I think that's a lot of where Celtic are, are losing the midfield. Great to get McGregor back last night. Can you imagine if Celtic didn't have McGregor and Kyogo last night? I dread to think what, what might have happened. And Jared made the point that uh, Joe Hart saved Celtic from maybe losing six. But, you know, that's what goalkeepers are there to do. And the, and the buyer goalkeeper are there to keep the ball at the net. So that's their job. You know, sadly, we are lacking guys in the midfield who can do a job at this minute in time. That's the state that Celtic are in this moment in time. Where every every week we're going into a game thinking we don't have a settled midfield. What's she going to do to change it? What's she going to do to jig it up? You know, we're going to have to do something on Sunday. I agree with Jared. I'd like to see Shaw 
uh, come in as well. But the midfield, he, is he going to go, is he going to put beat on in the midfield? Something like that to kind of match. Well, just to just to jump in there, I think uh, I think Beaton's an interesting one, and I'll come to you, Jared, on your thoughts for this. Um, but my assessment of Beaton is a lot of the criticism and negativity he has got over the years is because people don't think he's a very good centre back, and he keeps getting used as a centre back. This use of him in the midfield, which is his original position, has reminded a lot of people of what is good about Beaton. Um, his ability to put his foot on the ball, to, to pass the ball, to slow the play a bit down um, and just calm things down in the midfield. Do you see a future for him, Jared, uh, as an option in midfield? And, and now that we've got options at the back, he doesn't need to fill that role anymore? He's a poor man's Patrick Vieira in the midfield, but I'd rather him there than put Sorrow there. Yeah. A very poor man's Patrick Vieira. <laughs> I'm just going off the height in their midfield. as like he'd do that job because... We're a bit too, my favourite Scottish term, we're a bit too wee in the midfield, I had to say it, like <laughs> a more size there. But it's one of them where this game against Aberdeen would be perfect for a guy that I rate highly but we've never given a chance to. This is where I would just love to see Luke O'Connell out there playing for us, but he went out to Queen's Park. So that's the sort of situation I would have loved to see him get thrown in there and see if he can kick lumps out of Bruni and, uh, and Lewis for us. That would have been an interesting one and, and Luke O'Connell's got that touch of skill with a little bit of that bite that you're talking about and it is an interesting one. It's one thing that always baffles me as a Celtic supporter. There's so many players that we have uh, who never seem to quite make the cut and obviously it's because the people at the club are seeing more than what we do but you know, you, you are left wondering what, what it is about them that they're not cutting the mustard. Maybe Luke O'Connell just needs to cut his teeth a little bit more at that Queen's Park level before before getting another chance at Celtic, but we'll never know. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching. We are now halfway through today's show, and that means it's time for me to tell you what you need to do. You need to subscribe to us because we are growing every day. We are providing content on a State of Mind YouTube channel that doesn't just involve Celtic or football. It involves um, music content, fashion content, lots of chat, uh, lots of different shows in the pipeline as well. If you subscribe on YouTube, just click the little red button underneath the screen if you're watching on there. All that does is allow you to be notified when we go live or when we post a video. It costs you absolutely no money. Um, and the word subscription sometimes does mislead people there, but it's just a notification system for you. You can obviously follow us on Twitch, Facebook, uh, Twitter, anywhere that you watch is LinkedIn is another one. Uh, we love to hear from you and to build a community with you wherever you're watching. And don't forget as well, if you subscribe specifically on YouTube, you can um, be entered in monthly prize draws for various different things that we give away. We've given away a couple of different um, disc, platinum disc displays from the Fratellis and from the Verve previously. I think this month's one is a signed print of a Bobby Lennox uh, picture. So get yourself subscribed and uh, get following as to be entered in that draw. And don't don't worry if you are already subscribed, you will still be in that draw as well. Um, Jared, I'm going to come to you um, just because we were having a bit of an interesting chat, I think there's a <laughs> before we came on air, I should say there's a there's a bit of an assumption sometimes that you know, as an Australian, as a fellow um, sort of person from Melbourne, that Angers, that you would be you'd have been uh, obviously you'd have been delighted to see him get the chance and and you know to raise the profile of Australian football in Europe. But you were saying before that he wouldn't have been your first choice for for Celtic manager. I'm interested to hear, you know, like 
what direction you would have taken the club in, what your appointments would have been or who you think might have been a good fit for the Celtic manager's job? Yeah, I said it last time I was on, but I was more looking at um, guys like, uh, what's his name again? I liked Marco Rose originally before last season, but going into this season, I wanted David Wagner. Mm-hmm. Like He was the guy I wanted like. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I really rate German football, and I'll see that's like where there's a lot of like quality coaches coming out of Germany. And he's one that I've just rated highly for years. So he was the sort of guy there. But then anytime I bring him up, people go, oh, yeah, but his win percentage is 30%. And Andrew's win percentage is 40%. That's not going to cut it in Glasgow. Yeah, but he was coaching Huddersfield Town. He was coaching Schalke when they well, started the season when they got relegated. He's not had a team with the resources at the top of the league like Celtic. So that's what I would have preferred. However, being an Australian and being from Melbourne, it's great to have Ange there. But I've been a Celtic fan longer than I've known who Ange Postacoglu is. Hmm. So, and I was saying on our pod, I've copped some pelters over the last couple of weeks on Twitter where people are saying, oh, you, what would you know, Skippy, you Aussie, you're just supporting Ange. When I make a comment about the board, right? Well, at the end of the day, I'm a Celtic fan first. So yeah. I want what's best for the club. But, yeah, it's good to see, Angela. We're getting more coverage in the media, but it shows how limited our media is over here, that they've got no idea about Scottish football at all. Some of the stuff they write, I just shake my head and laugh and go, I'd rather read the Daily Record. And that's saying something. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Um, no, but uh, it's um, it's an interesting thing. You see, I'm sure... I'm sure um, you know the the Scottish knowledge of Australian football wouldn't be much better, but you know that's the that's the nature of the the world we live in. But um, Tony, when I hear Jared saying that and and talking about different names he would have got in and different different people's styles that he would have liked, and I'm sure I could name some and you could name some and, and anybody in the comments could name some as well. There's a part of me that thinks that the apparent lack of structure that we have to the way that things are done, the lack of structure in the scout and the lack of structure in the coach and the fact that we didn't have a, a science uh, advisor that Ange was calling out for until very recently and and obviously the problems that we've got with the, the CEO having left, is it a case of that it doesn't matter who it is in Ange's position, it was never going to work? Or do you think there are people out there who could have had a better start to life at Celtic than Ange's had? Pretty much it's all hypothetical really, isn't it? You know, Ange's there. He's the man. So mm. if he is your man and you believe in this project or you believe in this process, then you have to arm him with the teeth and give him every chance to be successful. You know, you, you look at Ange and sometimes he just cuts a, a forlorn, lonely figure, doesn't he? I never mm. see him in conversation with Kennedy or Strachan, you know, 
And I, I get back to it, and I wrote it the other day in the CLTV, if they were willing to back Eddie Howe to the hilt and let him bring in, you know, a cast of thousands, you know, backroom staff and all that, why haven't they done that with Ange? I've got every sympathy for him in that sense. You know, he, he he's not been able to bring in a right-hand man. Celtic don't have what traditionally you would call a number two or an assistant. Try to tell me Ange doesn't have a right-hand right hand man, somebody that he trusts, a lieutenant to bounce ideas off. You know, so he is kind of hamstrung a bit, a big bit, and, with, you know, working maybe with his hands tied behind his back. But then that's on the board, isn't it? Yeah. That's on the turn around and say, right, Ange, what do you need? You know, has he... And has he, uh, he said himself sometimes, well, we said during the transfer window, maybe he wasn't forceful enough. Did he ask for the sports scientist or was this foisted upon him? Is this something that he wanted? I just think right now he should be asking for everything. I can actually answer that, Tony, if you want to know the sports scientist stuff. Yeah, well, Janet, I was going to ask you, like, uh, we're we're sitting here thinking, surely Ange must have people that he's worked with before that he's, are there people at the other clubs that he's worked with before that you would have thought he would have brought over, or does it is this what he how he approaches every role that he's had? Historically, he goes into a club and sees that the lay of land is the first year, so he keeps the the coaches there, and then tends to sack everyone at the end of that season and bring in his guys for a second season. That's what tends to happen. But what you're saying about the sports science, we lost that Jack Naylor to RB Leipzig, and then we didn't have a sport head of sports science. A yeah. physio running that whole department for how many months? Like yeah. now, Ange coming from Australia, we've got a lot of cutting edge sports science because of our AFL, because of our NRL, because of our swimming and all our like Olympic level sports and that sort of stuff over here. Ange is coming from a club like Melbourne Victory that's got four sports scientists on the books and six physios to coming in there. We doesn't even have one sports science person like running the show there, like. That's so, not a so that's a bit of an issue for him. So I'm glad this is finally there. And that's what I mean, Jared. So if anyone knows about this kind of stuff, it's Ange, isn't it? And he could recommend one, two, three, four, five people to come in, surely, right? So yeah, exactly. why why hasn't he, when the Celtic board were ready to say to Eddie how bring in who you want, why hasn't Ange been afforded the same privilege? You know, which yes. which you know, yes, which I don't think. Tony, I agree with you 100%. Right. I've been doing no, no, this yeah. yeah. So you're singing from the same hymn sheet there. So that that's that's something that should be afforded to the manager, you know, from the kickoff. I, I guess to get to get your answer to that question, Tony, is are, are you saying from, from posing that question that your suspicion is that Eddie Howe was definitely being offered things that Ange is not, and that's been a deliberate decision. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, of course, that's, yeah. What, that's what I'm looking for. Sorry, even Enzo Maresca and coming in with um, the package deal of him coming from Man City, along with was it Fergal Harkin as a package deal? That yeah. was often more stuff than Ange has been offered. Mm. You know, which, which leads me to believe that. The board are hedging their bets with Ange, which is unfair on him as well. You know, they're, they're running with it to see if it works, type thing. You know, flying by the seat. I think we've got no no forward planning, and I, I do have every sympathy for Ange in, in those situations. You know, but I don't think he's helping himself in the sense that see see if you're winning games, nobody really bothers with us. 
right? You kind of, it's something in the background and you deal with it. But see, if you're successful and you're winning football matches, it's kind of like, right, you know, you're the man. And that's why he's now been put under the microscope and results are, you know, are coming under scrutiny, which is fair enough. But I, I, I'll reiterate again, nobody wants Ange to succeed more than, our, than us. We're Celtic supporters. You know, why would you want a Celtic manager to fail? It's just, it's preposterous. Absolutely preposterous. Am I sceptical? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I worried about the future and the process? Of course I am. But, you know, I I, I, I genuinely want Ange to... I, I want to come on this programme and go, woof, called it wrong. And I'll be the first to do that. I've all been the first going to say, right, I, I got it wrong. And nobody would be more delighted to do that and say... You know, uh, the early signs weren't great, but he's he switched it around and he's turned my mind around. The way he's turning your mind around now, Laura, you know, you're, yeah. you're not quite so sure. So that's fine, but that that's just my opinion. It differs from many Celtic supporters. Nobody's right or nobody's wrong. Cause, you know, he's not been in the job that long, but I'm I worried, I'm a concerned, of course I am. I, I'm like, I, I, like every Celtic supporter I like winning football matches you know what I mean <laughs> and we're not doing that at the minute um, well P- Paul's just come in with the comment and just to clarify on a, a, the points that we're raising you know we, we often are, are speculating on the show as, as we are entitled to do as Celtic supporters but he's just confirming there that the club did confirm directly to fan media when the deal collapsed that Eddie Howe was offered the opportunity to bring in his own staff including the director of football yeah. so that's absolutely like cast iron guaranteed that you know he has other managerial candidates have been offered things that and while he might not have wanted everything that Eddie Howe wanted he was certainly calling out for certain staff members like a sports scientist who wasn't appointed for a number of weeks after he made that that comment uh, in the press and may not have been appointed had Ange not made that comment in the press so it, it does leave you wondering but to move away from Ange specifically for a bit and the wider the wider issues at the club, I, I was sitting watching last night, Jared, um, thinking particularly about two players who, when they are fully fit, are key for us uh, in the team. Uh, one is Christopher Julian, who um, we believe may be uh, able to return later this month. Uh, who knows what kind of a player he'll be compared to what he was before because it's a pretty significant injury he's coming back from. And the other is James Forrest, who's who's struggled with a long-term injury and has a, had a couple of niggles. Um, we'll come to James Forrest first, Jared. Do you see him having a position or a place in the team ahead of anybody who's there or can he fit into the system ahead of, of somebody else? I just think of when I think of Jota and I think of Abada, they are reasonably strong options. Can you see Forrest taking a shirt off them or will we have to find a different way to fit him into the team? I think it's going to be interesting because I've been saying about Jamesy for years that I could see him long-term becoming a centre-forward in the same way Kyogo is for us, the way he makes his runs in behind, playing on the shoulder. He could play in that role if need be. However, I actually love the fact that we're going to have Abada and Forrest out on that right wing going at each other every day in training challenging so the better player gets that jersey it's going to take it back to the invincible treble season under Rogers, where we had Roberts and Forrest going at each other in training and that was probably when we were at our strongest in that position on the right wing so I'm hoping he comes in 
he gets fit, he comes in, and then it's just a battle every day in training because we're playing so many games. We're going to need rotation. And I doubt a Barter's going to be able to play 50-something games a season at this point, considering he's 19, 20 years old, first season at the club. He's not going to be used to it. So, yeah, it'll be good to get Jamesy back in that position. Yeah, I think I think I am one of the people, and I know there are a lot of other people who maybe underestimated Forrest's contributions to the team until he was out of the team, and then realised how much we missed him. Tony, is he a is he in any way a cert to come back in when he's fully fit, or is it a case of him having to earn that shirt back? Do you think? Well, I think Jared said there you you watch these two guys go in training, and you give to the victor the spoils kind of thing, you know, but. James Forrest is the most decorated Celtic player at the club, isn't he? Mm, yeah. That's for itself. And you never know what you've got till you've lost it. Celtic are badly missed James Forrest. A lot of people out there might not want to admit that because he's, he's never been, for someone who's been so successful at the club, he's never your first favourite pick, is he? But you cannot underestimate James Forrest's contribution to the Celtic cause. And that's why he's won so many medals he's just used he set such a high bar as a Celtic player it's a massive bar you know so I I don't have you know, a bad word to say about James Forrest you know and I just hope he comes back and he's the James Forrest of old you know because there's nothing better than seeing him tear down the right wing and you know dink those crosses in for somebody just to put their head on it or you know tuck it away and I and I agree with Jared in the sense that Whilst Abada has had a cracking start to his Celtic career, he has blown hot and cold in matches. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he is only 19. So you have to legislate and allow for that. A young guy not used to maybe playing so many games a season, so that's fine. But I think if you've got a healthy and a fit James Forrest, you've got a wonderful asset on your hands at the club. And uh, hopefully, like Julianne, when they, when they come back, that they're a hundred percent, and they're not. No one's gambling with their fitness and the time frame and all that. You just want to see these two guys get back to something resembling the form that they showed before they were out long term. Yeah, I totally agree with that, I, and and that brings us nicely on to Julian. Tony, I'll come back to you first on him. <laughs> Assuming we. Um, have caveated everything that we've talked about with him, that, that there are concerns with the injury that he's had that he might not be the same player. Let's assume that he comes back and is the Julian that we knew before. A couple of questions that I have in my mind is, is it a case of the absence, absence makes a heart go fonder with him? Do we think of him as a better defender than he actually was? Or is he that good? And if so, does he get back into the team ahead of a Starfield or a Cameron Carter-Vickers? I think it's just his presence would be pretty reassuring. He's a big, tall guy and he causes, you know, he can do damage in both boxes. You know, he can get his head onto stuff and he scored a few important goals. And as you say, some players take on some kind of mystical reverence when they're absent, you know. And I think Julian had his deficiencies. You know, he had his faults and his weaknesses, but he had a lot of strengths too. And you felt safer at the back of the pack. And if you're asking me if Julian is coming back at some point this month, then you would think he would come in for Starfelt, wouldn't you? I still yeah. think that Starfelt looks really, really cumbersome with a ball at his feet. You know, he just he's no comfortable with playing that passing passing game and probably his instincts just 
to shell it long, but he doesn't do it because it goes against the manager's advice and what he's been taught. But I think Starfield looked as if he was coming on to a game, but he's re- regressed again the past couple of games. It's just there's something no functioning with Starfield, and it's no happening at the minute. And those deficiencies in his game are being cruelly exposed. So if Julian's coming back at some point this month, hopefully he does, then I would say I would like to see him play alongside Cameron Carter-Vickers because they, they then would look and give you some kind of imposing figures and towering presence at the back. They're two big units. You know, so that for me, proofs in the pudding, we'll need to see the two of them play together, but I would feel a bit safer. You know, right now you, you see the Celtic defence and you think, we could concede at any time here, whether it be from set plays or just being cut open, guys switching off, stuff like that. The 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 back four of it's, it's a catalogue of mistakes that we've conceded goals from this season, isn't it? You know, you can you can trace them all, and you just don't have a settled back four at the minute. And whether Julian will contribute to us having a more settled back four, it remains to be seen. But Assuming, as you say, that he's he's fit and healthy, then yeah, hopefully, then that that adds a bit of reassurance, and we can start to build and move forward and and get the kind of style of play that he wants to play out from the back with these players on the team. Yeah, I I I think that's a that's a real consideration and and something that we have to to look at going forward when he does come back. Um, Jared, your thoughts on Julian? It's obviously nearly a year since we've seen him in a Celtic shirt. Um, how much did you value his contributions before he was injured? And and do you think, assuming obviously like we've said that he gets back to the player that he was, where's his place in the team? I'm thinking. Um... I actually thought he was one that was was either going to be him or Kelmack for captain once Bruni said he was moving on. That's how highly I rate the guy in terms of his leadership. But at the same time, he, um, I think his passing ability will, will suit Ange's game, but he's not a left-sided centre-back, and that's the problem we've got. No matter what we have in our back line, you've got Starfeld who's a right-sided centre-back. You've got Carter because who's right-sided. You've got Welsh who can play left, but he's predominantly right. And then you've got Julian. So you've got four guys for one position. So you have to play someone out of, out of their spot there. So yeah. I think he'll he'll do the job and he'll fit in well. But at the end of the day, it's going to take him a little while to get up to speed because he hasn't played in 12 months. But it doesn't mean he gets any shorter in the 80th minute of a game or well, the 90th minute of a game, though. So that's that's always a good thing when you've got like a six foot five, six foot six centre back out there. And then you've got a beefcake like... Uh, Carter Vickers next to him. No one will push those two around. No, I don't think they will. I certainly wouldn't want to uh, to have a square goal with them, as they would, we would say in Scotland. Not that I physically could. I think I'd be having a square goal with her knee, Tony. Um, but uh, that's about it. Um, yeah, thanks everybody for keeping watching. We're uh, we're well, my money would be, my money would still be on you in a square goal with eight two. Aye, well, you never know. I come in a small package, but I'm feisty, you know. Um, but <laughs> um, 
Um, no, thanks everybody for watching. We're now over 15,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is absolutely fantastic. We could fill a wee corner of the stadium, maybe a Green Brigade section all to ourselves, um, the Axom cult, as we like to call it. And as Paul mentioned on on the show the other day, we are hoping to have some of you viewers and um, subscribers on the show uh, in the coming weeks uh, to chat with us all, all things Celtic and to, um, to, to really... Um, Tell us where we've been going wrong all these months or agree with us if you think we've been talking sense. Um, you don't mind telling us in the comments, obviously, and we would love to hear you uh, in person. Uh, let us know your thoughts. So look out for that in the coming weeks. Um, Tony, I'll come back to you just to finish out the show. Talked about a pair of players who aren't in the team, who are long-term injuries yet to come back. We had two players come back, as we mentioned. They were the best players on the pitch for us, despite the fact they're just back from injury. We'll start with Ka uh, with Callum McGregor. What is it about him that we missed when he wasn't there? What is it about him that he provided last night that was so good in comparison to the, the games previous? Provided a bit of leadership, didn't he? He, wasn't, mm -hmm. he didn't go hiding. You know, he, he was always there to take the ball, at least start you know, start to get his up the park. You know, and he, he, he really has grown into the captain's role and we badly missed him. You know, and I felt sorry for him last night because, you know, it just wasn't happening for Roderick and Turnbull at all. You know, and Callum was, I probably got frustrated and I think he said in at, at the end of the game when he got interviewed after that it wasn't good enough and it was unacceptable. But his own performance was acceptable. He needs more people to step up to the plate like he did. You know, and, and, and Kyogo, you know, see if you're a jetty, you should hang your head and shame. Kyogo came on and played that game last night as if his life defended on it. He saw his reaction when he got taken off. He was crestfallen that he hadn't scored. You know, and mm. I, don't know, I don't know if the camera panned onto it, but he walked around and a, a child came running down and he was so disconsolate, but he saw it at the corner of his eye. The child wanted to shake his hand and he went over and he, he shook his hand. And I thought, that's a guy who... You know, just just gets it. He just, you know, destroyed that he didn't score and, and helped the team cause, but gave his all for it. And that's, that's a guy that probably wasn't fully fit. And the manager maybe took a gamble on his fitness and said to him, look, can you do his return? And he, and he said, yeah, you know. And, you know, you just look at those two players. They just gave everybody a lift last night. But sadly, they, they can't do it alone. They need, they need help. You know, they're the two best players in the team without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, and, and Kyogo's pivotal to the way Ange wants to play. And I, I, earlier, I, I asked, you know, I was talking about the chances that he missed, and I wasn't having a go at him. I get that he's ring rusty, but you saw his own reaction. He 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 was having a go at himself. He was beating himself up at the yeah. fact that he hadn't scored. You know, so if you set your standards and your bar that high, then that's great for the club moving forward. And as I say, we've badly missed the tournament, and I dread to think what would have happened last night if the two of them weren't in the team and that's talking after a 4-0 defeat <laughs> so there, there you go that sees it all really yeah I think if you didn't have those two and Joe Hart my goodness I yeah. think it would have been a, it would have been a major issue Um, Jared Tony raises a really great point about, about Callum McGregor I think if you'd asked any Celtic supporter this time last season whether they wanted Callum McGregor as the next captain the majority of them while not saying no outright, might have said that they didn't think he had the character for it. 
He's certainly grown into the role, hasn't he, and showed that leadership that Tony mentioned, that attitude that we want from a captain that has sometimes been sorely lacking at Celtic. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Like, I think it's sometimes it's addition by subtraction on that sort of front with leadership because when you've got such a dominant personality who's been the, the captain for so long in Bruni at the club, even when Callum's, if Bruni's out injured and Callum's captain, he's still Bruni's still kicking around in the background, talking to guys and all that. But once he's out the door, you could see like Kyogo saying that, oh, Callum gave him a call and staff out. Callum gave him a call when he was in, in hotel quarantine. Like that's a good first touch. So now he's actually able to establish himself and be the leader and be the main man in his own way. And it's going to be different to how Bruni did it. But at the same time, looking back, Paul McStay was a different sort of captain to Bruni and Danny McGrain. So they're different type to Bruni. So you don't always have to have a big, like a hype, hyped up sort of person or someone that's going to lead by example. They're the sort in terms of screaming, a yeller and screamer, like, like Ayer. He would have been, if you wanted the exact same type as Bruni, you keep Ayer and give him the band. Not all captains lead that way. So, yeah, I'll look at it and go, He's a different sort of guy. I was probably in that boat where you're saying I was iffy on if he should have been the captain. And that's why I said earlier that it either would have been him or Julian for me. But I'm glad he's got the, he's got the captain's armband and, yeah, have a look what he's doing. Well done. It's good to I see the growth. I think every Celtic supporter is glad he's got it now as well, to be fair, because they see what he brings. Yeah. I think I think that's entirely true, and 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 Tony, I just wanted to expand on 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 something you said about Kyogo. I mean, I I I get that at the end of the day, all that matters for a striker at Celtic is that they score goals. I get all that matters at Celtic for a goalkeeper is that they keep clean sheets, or, or we can go through the whole team and list uh, positions and players that uh, that you you talk about that way with. But Joe Hart and, and Kyogo Furuhashi, I think, have provided something that I want to see from Celtic players that I have certainly not seen enough of. That is a, a desire to play for the club, but more importantly, an obvious appreciation for the position that they are in and an obvious appreciation of the love that the fans have for the club and the privileged position that they have to be playing for the club. Joe Hart and Kyogo Furuhashi, I saw a thing on Twitter that Joe Hart spent more time outside the stadium than any other player in the squad, signing things, taking pictures with people. Um, Furuhashi, I've seen multiple pictures of them. Poor guy just trying to do his shopping in Costco and wherever else he's going, Ikea, trying to get furniture for his flat and he's stopping for every single picture going. I'm not saying that these players have to do that. They're, they're in, human beings, they're individuals, they should be at, at liberty to do what they want. But I love to see people who know what it means to be a Celtic player and know what it will mean to a, a wee boy or a wee girl for them to take that two minutes out of their day to give that child or that person a memory that will last a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, which is why I highlighted that when Kyogo was walking on the park last night with a kid. I mean, that, that kid's years been made, you know. Kyogo shook my hand, you know. Probably like, I'll never wash this hand again, that kind of stuff, you know. Because <laughs> yeah, that's the affinity that they have with, with the footballers. And, you know, certain players grasp it. You know, Tommy Burns said you're a Celtic player on and off the park. You know, Hart grasped it. Kyogo's grasped it. Larson grasped it. 
you know, it's a phrase I use a lot. They just get it, don't they? From the get-go, they get what it means to play for a club that has so many su- supporters worldwide that just worship the ground that they walk on. And, you know, they, they're handsomely rewarded. So guys like that, they get it into their mindset. It's nothing to sign autographs, spend time with, you know, the fans who adore them. And they do adore them, you know, they put them up there. And see, see when you get that into your mind that that it costs you nothing, you know, you you, you enjoy it and you embrace it. Because it's, uh, I've said before, it, it's a wonderful football club and it tugs at your heart. And when you leave, you will, you will feel it most when you leave. See, when you're there, if you just put it around you and wrap it around you like your favourite jacket and your cloak, people will love you for that and, and, and then be the embodiment and spirit of what, what is a Celtic player should be, you know, and you know, you had reservations about Hart and he's quickly put them to bed, hasn't he? You oh, yeah. and, and, I, and I have to say as well, Tony, just before you go on, that's an important part of being a football supporter. That's an important part of being a Celtic supporter, being a human being, of saying, yeah. I got that wrong. I yeah, misjudged yeah. the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has yeah. he has provided everything I would want, not only in a goalkeeper, but in a in a representative of the football club, and I never thought I would say that about Joe Hart. I'll say this, Lord, there's three players to my mind right now that are the beating heart of Celtic. It's Hart, Kyogo and McGregor. Yeah. Who, funnily enough, were our best players last night. They're the beating heart of that football club. You know, that's who the supporters migrate towards, who they, they look forward to seeing. You know, it's, it's no surprise, is it? You know, and you consider where Joe Hart's been and, you know, what he did in his career. You know, I I, I tip my hat to Joe Hart for coming in and embracing it. And Kyogo, you know, how can you not smile when you see him posting videos? He just, he just seems to be perpetually happy and in a state of bliss. You know, that he's got this chance and uh, with with a with a wonderful football club, you know, who, who've just embraced him. You know, he... And uh, long may it continue, and he, he, we missed him. In the short time he's been here, we missed him when he was out the side. That tells you a lot about the impact that somebody like Kyogo has made in the short space of time he's here. And I'll give kudos to the manager, because that's the manager signing. Yes. And I said it before, and I'll, say it, and I'll say it again, the board should have gone to the manager before the window shut and said, any more of them, Ange? And Andrew hmm. went. Yep, you know, like the Magna Carta, they pulled out something and said, "Yep, there's there's our last. Go and get him, 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 and him." See if they do that, then you might find out that the manager's worth his salt, you know. And if you arm them with the players to play the, the system he wants, funny that that it might work, you know. We keep talking about that Tony on our pod where it's like we're saying the Japanese season ends end of November, then they've got the cup in December and then the transfer window opens in January. If Ange has a list, he should be lining them up and in November, end of November, we should get in guys all deals done in December so they're ready to go. Exactly. Into the country. And if you trust the manager, Jared, that's what you should be doing right now. Exactly. I would trust trust the manager's judgment and players based on Kyogo alone. Right? And you would say to him, there must be, and he, he knows he knows that part of the world. He knows the football. He knows the leagues. So you try to tell me that he couldn't bring in because Celtic are about five, 
I would say five players short at this moment in time. Easy. Try to tell me you couldn't identify five players. Yeah, and let's not let's not forget, Tony. Furuhashi is not a player that he managed. He's a player he identified in the league yes. that he was playing in. Correct. You know, so I, I would trust him implicitly on that. But over to the board to say to Ange, okay, we trust you. You are our man. You're going to get everything that you want. Tell us what you want. He gives them a shot and let's go and get them. And we'll see what happens. But all, all that has to come down to trust, trust in the manager. 100% it does. Um, I still trust Ange. It's a rocky road at the moment. We will <laughs> see where it goes. I hope he gets the chance to do, as Jared says, and line up those signings for January because I think we could see a much better second half to the season if he's given that opportunity. It's a long time to go until then and we've got a lot of fixtures to play, so we'll see what happens. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching, commenting, wherever you are watching today. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Jared for extending his uh, his conscious time in the day and uh, uh, withholding the the resist uh, or resisting the temptation to go to bed, I should say, because I think I would have been more tempted to to snuggle up after being up at quarter to five in the morning for a Celtic match. But there you go, especially when we lost four 0 Thank you, Jared, for joining us up from the other side of the world. Thank you, Tony, for 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 joining me from just down the road. And uh, <laughs> thank you to everybody. This has been a Celtic state of mind, and we will see you on Sunday for the match coverage. number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.